Ezekiel the prophet was on a tear. Remember him? Remember Ezekiel? He's a real prophet. He's the kind of preacher you really don't want as your neighbor. He's into visions. He's into these visions of these wheels inside of wheels and these creatures that are covered with eyes and they glow in the dark. And one day, Ezekiel eats a copy of the Bible, thumb index and all. And it goes down sweet as honey because that's the way the message is from God some days. I'm thinking in particular this morning about what we call Ezekiel chapter 34. And in that passage, Ezekiel shares with us a vision of God's heart and God's anger at injustice. It's a long section that's filled with promises of hope for the future. Listen to these words as God embraces a new vocation, a vocation as shepherd. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strays. And I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with the justice. Well, welcome this morning. And if it's been a while since you've been here, or perhaps the first Sunday since you've been here, uh, we are in a series this year we're calling Jesus 365. And that is every Sunday this year, we are going back to the words of Jesus. Every Sunday this year to the teachings of Jesus and the examples of Jesus. And we are asking tough questions some days. And today, I want to invite you to take a deep breath and to relax. We are looking at the I am sayings in the Gospel of John. And this morning, our I am saying is found in chapter 10. Jesus has this incredible way of reaching back into Israel's past and grabbing an image from there and then taking it and using it in a way that will lead them into their future. And so listen to the words of Jesus and find something this morning. Hear the word of God for your future. Words and images that go all the way back to Ezekiel chapter 34. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The father loves me because I sacrifice my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father 
hath commanded. And this is the word of God for the people of God. We are sheep. Maybe I should say that with a question mark. We, we, are, we are sheep? Jesus said, I am the shepherd. What should we hear from that? What should we take away as we reflect on these words this morning? In some ways, these are very familiar images. This is a very familiar language. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want images that we know and love and care deeply for. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. But these words of Jesus, they may be more challenging and more difficult than we think when we first encounter it or perhaps even the way we have read them in the past. We like sermons that give us a checklist of things to do. You know, we're checklist people. We like to check it off and feel better about ourselves. I recently heard about a survey asking lay people, what kind of sermons do you want to hear? And they said, practical sermons, sermons where I can create this list of things that I can do this week and I know that I'm doing the right things because doing is important. And I want to pause and say thank you you are a doing church oh my goodness by the end of this month we're going to have a ram clinic right here on that sunday morning we're going to worship not the way we are this morning we're going to worship by serving 600 or more people in our community who are in need of health care thank you for doing for being a doing church this morning however i want you to take a break And listen to these words. I want us to hear again the motivation for all of the doing. Today's I am statement in many ways is a corrective to just wanting that checklist. Well, tell me the things I need to do. Tell me the things I need to say. Tell me the right three things that I need to believe. And Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. Uh, I'm the good shepherd who lays down my life. Notice he doesn't say, I'm the great teacher. And you are wonderful students. So all you need to do is listen to these words and and just try really hard. and, And you can do all the things that you really want to do in your life. He says, I'm the good shepherd. He doesn't say, I'm the do gooder. And you are my assistant. So, so here are the things that you need to go out and, and do this week. Even though we like that checklist. He doesn't say, uh, I'm the king of this kingdom and, and you are my middle manager. So here are the things. He doesn't say, you are the sheep and you just need to organize yourselves a little better. And you'll finally understand and you'll be able to accomplish and do all of those things. Jesus said, I'm the loving, searching, seeking, self-sacrificial shepherd. And you are the sheep. And let's be clear. Sheep are very vulnerable what's their defense system as far as I can tell it's to run and they love to congregate together safety in numbers 
Sheep have this flock mentality, and it doesn't always work well for them. I read a very disturbing newspaper report a couple of weeks ago, a report that goes back to Turkey about sheep, a report, a story that was picked up by the Washington Post. It started, it started with one very self-destructive leap. Shepherds are eating breakfast one morning outside of a small town in Turkey, and they were surprised to look up and see one lone sheep jump off a nearby cliff and fall to its death, followed by another, and another, and another, and another, and I can't keep it up because 1,500 of the sheep followed each other and jumped off the cliff. The story, very disturbing, 450 of them die, uh, only 450 because as the pile grew, it became softer and softer and softer, and there's something disturbingly funny about that as well. Uh, the newspaper article said that they estimated the loss to be about $100,000, an extremely significant amount of money for the people in that country. Uh, there's nothing we can do. They're all wasted, said a member of one of the 26 families whose sheep were grazing together in the herd. And Jesus said, I'm the loving, searching, seeking, self-sacrificial sheep. And he seems to be saying that we are the wayward, inept, wandering, lost, and sometimes stupid domestic sheep. Comforting. Disturbing. Truthful. And challenging. Yeah. And we love a list. We love a checklist, and we love to do. I recently, uh, recently heard Will Williman, when he was a Methodist bishop, talk about how they decided their quadrilineal theme, which is church talk for four-year emphasis. Their quadrilineal theme would be making disciples for the transformation of the world, four years. And one of the bishops spoke up and said, I, I think it's going to take us longer than four years to transform the entire world. So they made it an eight-year emphasis. That should get it done. Yeah. And he said, that wasn't quite enough. We decided to add to that. Let's eradicate all the killer diseases in Africa. And then he said, the Episcopalian bishops heard about it and decided that they would one-up up us, and they decided that they would eradicate poverty in all the world. And we won't even begin to talk about Baptist goals. And we're good at planning. We really are. We're good at planning and motivating. And sometimes it's almost as if we don't leave room for Jesus to do anything else. Sometimes even in our preaching, sometimes even in my preaching, I give you a checklist. Here are the things you can do as the people of God this week. And and, and if you try really hard, you don't even need Jesus to be with you to do them. And it seems to me that this week, this passage, these simple words, this simple claim, going back to Yahweh, I am who I am, I will be who I will be, and this week the words we get to hear are, I am the good shepherd. So in telling you, instead of telling you this week, well, why don't you read your Bible and do these four things and you'll be a better person? Let's go deeper. There are a few people who have analyzed the modern church and they have decided what we've really become are a group of people who practice moralistic deism. 
Moralistic, moralistic, a, a form of, well, here are the, some ways that you can improve yourself. Here are some things that you can become better people. And if you do these things, perhaps the people in your community will become better as well. And in deism, uh, God exists, absolutely. But for some reason, after creation, God kind of checked out and just left us on our own. And that's not good enough in John's gospel. John's gospel is focused on the good shepherd. The one who comes to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. What you cannot do for yourself. I am the good shepherd. And you are wandering, wayward, inept, lost, and sometimes we're just stupid domesticated sheep. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He doesn't just improve them. He doesn't just enlighten them. The good shepherd doesn't give you on this day, here are the three things you need to believe and here are the two things you need to repeat and say and you're going to be a better person. The good shepherd, the good shepherd loves his sheep and lays down his life for his sheep. Here we find deep comfort in the message of the gospel. So how have you been trying to make life better? How have you been trying to make your work better? Your sleep better? How have you been trying to make your family better? How have you been trying to feel better about yourself? How have you been trying to solve those problems that keep you awake at night or the problems that you hide deep within yourselves? Hear these words this morning. I am the good shepherd. So just rest in it and breathe it in. The good shepherd does for you what you cannot do for yourself. What is that today? What is it? Something about yourself you don't like? What is it today? That relationship that's fractured or broken? You don't know what to do about it? You don't know how to heal it? What is it today? Something that someone did to you and you've been carrying that hurt and that pain, that anger, wanting to get even, wanting to get back, and it just won't let go of you? What is it today? Something you did to someone else? You can't let go of it? You find it easier to forgive other people than it is for you to forgive yourself and what you have done. I, I remember uh, back, oh, back in my college days uh, encountering two writers. One was a South African minister, Andrew Murray, and one was in England in charge of an orphanage, George Mueller. And both of them wrote quite a bit about prayer. And I found all, all their books very easy to understand and almost impossible to practice. Living in the late 1800s, and George Mueller 
raised today what would have been $1.4 million. Uh, excuse me, $140 million. $140 million for an orphanage. No Facebook. No television. No radio spots. He prayed. And he prayed. And he prayed. And he prayed. I'm the good shepherd. I care. I'm the good shepherd. I'm concerned about you. I'm the good shepherd. I'm here to protect you. I'm the good shepherd. I'm here to take care of you. I'm in, I am the good shepherd. So today, why don't you take a deep breath? Today, why don't you rest? Today, why don't you let the shepherd protect you, provide for you? Why don't you let the anxiety go and the fear go and the anger go and let the guilt go? A campus minister sat across the desk from a college student who had just confessed to him a terrible, terrible mistake that he had made the weekend before while under the influence of alcohol. Confessed to him in detail what happened that night and the campus minister looked at him and said, what were you thinking? And on behalf of all the parents everywhere, unloaded on him. And the student sat there for a while listening and then finally responded, how, uh, how long have you been working with students? And the minister said, 12 years. And he said, huh, that long. I, I would have thought you'd know more about students in 12 years than what you've learned. <laughs> and and uh, the campus minister in telling this story said he really wanted to choke him about that time. But the student said, hey, look, if I had been thinking, I wouldn't have done what I did. And the minister said, well, that's a surprisingly intelligent observation coming from you, still shocked at what the student had done. And they talked a little more, and the student said, you know, situations like this just make you thank God. And he said, thank God. In what way? And the student said, it makes you just want to thank God that Jesus Christ only died for sinners. Jesus did not come to give you a little self-help. And Jesus did not come to give you a moral tune-up. Jesus came as the good shepherd to lead you to places you would never go on your own to teach you lessons that you would never learn out there all by yourself or just following along in the flock to guide you to rescue you to save you to watch over you I'm the good shepherd just breathe for a moment would you bow your heads? 
In just a moment, we're going to participate in the Lord's Supper. But before we do that, I invite you to just be aware of where you are. Be aware of the people that are beside you, of what you've been thinking and what you've been feeling. And be aware that the creator of the universe is here and cares about you right now. Would you pray this prayer with me? Where you are, just you and God. Lord, I need you in my life. And I cannot do this alone. I've tried. I've worked hard. I've struggled. I can't keep going. I want to follow you and I want to live your way. Will you forgive me? Will you help me take in your love? And will you teach me the sound of your voice? In Christ's name. We're going to share in the Lord's Supper, um, Holy Communion, the Eucharist, giving thanks. The way we do it here at Central, you do not need to be a member of this church. Uh, you don't need to be Baptist. We ask that you have taken these moments and that you have examined yourself, prepared yourself, that you are aware of how important this is and, and what these symbols represent. And so I invite you to take just a few moments and center yourself. What's God been saying to you? In spite of how busy you may be or all the things happening, and in spite of some turmoil and trouble that may be in your life, in these few moments that you've had together, you have felt that presence, that whispering presence, that you are not alone. Would you take just a moment and give thanks to God where you are in life now? If you'll take out the little chalice that you have, you'll see on one side is a little piece of bread. You can go ahead and open that. The Apostle Paul writes to the early group of Christians, For I received from the Lord that which I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body that's given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And let us eat together. In the passage that we read today, Jesus also said, I have sheep who are not part of this flock yet. 
We think as we look back on that time that Jesus is talking to a group of Jewish followers, but he's speaking of Gentiles who will soon hear the good news. And I have to say, as I've been reading this week and thinking about that, I keep thinking about who's, who's the other, the other sheep. So for just a moment, who are the other in your life? Who's the other when you see them? They're not quite like you. For whatever way that you define yourself or your family, they're other. But there they are in your neighborhood. There they are in your grocery store. There they are in your classroom. There they are, co-workers. There they are. And the Good Shepherd loves them. And the Good Shepherd is calling out to them. How would the Good Shepherd like to use you this week to call the other, the other who's broken, the other who's angry, the other who's defensive, the other who's searching and lost and needs a Good Shepherd? And in the same way also after supper, taking the cup. He said, this is the blood, my blood, the blood of the new covenant, our new understanding, our new vision, our new life. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us drink together. And he said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. A few moments ago, I asked you to pray this prayer. If it's the first time you've prayed it, we invite you to come forward during this invitation. Would you give us a chance to pray with you and to talk with you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, about this good shepherd who loves you? Or perhaps you've been looking for a community of faith and you found this place of rest and now we understand this is why we go out. This is why we do because of what God has done for us. We, we do because of this shepherd who loves and cares and looks over us and protects us and we just cannot keep this all to ourselves. Will you stand as we continue our worship? <laughs>